Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. As we prepare both uh, here and online, the, the series we've been in, in the book of John, has absolutely been a leading up to us taking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Pastor Ed has uh, been here the last few weeks in our series on mission redemption And we're in this series where Jesus has went up to the upper room and he is talking with his disciples in an intimate dinner. In the context of this talk, we call it the the farewell discourse. Some people call it the upper room discourse. Discourse just simply meaning discussion, talk, sermon. But it was a dialogue between the disciples and Jesus And he instituted what we call today the Lord's Supper because he wanted us to remember. He knew that we would be scattered. He knew this very day that you would be at home and you would be in the room. And yet today as a local church family and even those of you that are visiting, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together in the room online so that we can remember Because a day might come in Magnolia where we are more scattered and he wants us to come together in this so that we can be united for him. Again, if you're online today, we're going to celebrate here with the unfermented wine and the unleavened bread. And if you would, uh, in your home, go find something that you could participate with us in the same way. And so it was on a Thursday, we believe, that Jesus is having this discussion in the upper room. And later on, when we get more into the message, we're going to talk about the the different timelines, everything that has taken place up until now. But, But I want you to just understand right now that there's this intimate discussion going on in what was called again the upper room between Jesus and his disciples and the disciples have really just come to grips that Jesus is about to die I think they 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 knew his story they knew his mission but understand in just the events of this week in their life have they been literally told and it has been announced by Jesus himself that he is actually leaving. Where it maybe seemed like a future event for them, now they know it's imminent and they're confused. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, I wanna read verses 16 through 20 to just get the heart of the upper room discourse of what is happening here. John chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. Jesus says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Now, he's already told them this a couple times in the course of this dinner. But he is ramping it up. He is making sure they know he's galvanizing it in their hearts. Hey, it's true. I am leaving. Some of the disciples in verse 17, it said they ask each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me. 
and I am going to the Father. And what does it mean by a little while? We don't understand. Verse 19, Jesus realized that they wanted to ask him about it, so he said. He saw the rumbling in the room. He saw the discussions happening, you know, that weren't directed in him. And so he came to them in verse 19 and he says, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I told you in a little while you will not see me. But a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly be turned into wonderful joy. Our big idea for today is this, that joy is found in the presence of God not the absence of sorrow. Jesus wants us to remember this event because he is aware of our trials, he is aware of our persecution, but on this Thursday in scripture, Jesus gives an ordinance so that we would never forget his death because it is his death that will bring us joy. And so he put into place this ordinance of the church. We have two ordinances that we, we still celebrate today. And I do use the word celebrate because even though it is his death we are remembering, it is a celebration because of what his death means. His death means that our sorrow will be turned into joy, complete joy, wonderful joy. And so today as we remember, we are celebrating for what Jesus has done. It's gratitude and joy for what he has done. The other ordinance we celebrate is baptism. Uh, baptism is the individual recognition of what Jesus Christ has done in someone's life. And so today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, here's what I want to ask of you. If you are a Christ follower, this is important. Would you allow the Lord to search your heart and to just point out any way in you that you would need to repent to the Lord, that you would need to give over to the Lord, and that you would allow him to, to forgive you and to be with you. He is ready for that. Make sure that today, whether in the room or again online, that make sure today is not a ritual. Make sure today isn't just something that we do. Make sure it's not a calculated moment to where we just play church. Because Jesus says to do this in remembrance of me, and it is so important that we do. If you're not yet a Christ follower, again, in the room, online, here's what I want to ask you to do. And this is kind of difficult because it seems like I'm asking you or telling you that you can't participate unless you're a Christ follower. But there is a reality that Jesus asked that we would do this in remembrance of him, and he asked for those that believe would participate. And so if you're not yet a Christ follower, if you're not yet a believer, what I would ask you to do during this time is rather than participating, would you pray to the Heavenly Father and let him speak to your heart? And I don't say it lightly because if, if you don't participate, it's not a matter of 
we're better than you or this person is better than you, you're worse than them. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're asking you to come to the point in your life that you realize the need for a savior. In fact, those that will participate in the Lord's Supper this morning, they're not perfect. (laughs) You can name all the church words. They're hypocrites, they're liars, all of that. But it is a profound admittance of a need for the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so again, if you're not a Christ follower, I would ask you to just, just watch, to pray, and realize that those who are participating are not perfect people, it's quite the opposite. It is imperfect people who have been saved by grace. And that offer is open to you today. If, if by any chance these words make you uncomfortable, I pray that you would listen to the Holy Spirit because he might be drawing you to him, that you would know him. And then once you know him, this this ordinance, this Lord's Supper becomes such a celebration because you have full awareness of what God has done. I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward. We have, uh, right now we're doing Lord's Supper a little bit differently if you haven't been with us the last few times. Uh, we do have a, uh, it's a prepackaged uh, little deal and there are two, two cellophane parts to it. There's a clear one that you peel up first and it reveals the bread and then there is a purple one that will reveal the unfermented wine. And so if you have not had the opportunity to pick these up, would you let our deacons know just by simply raising your hand and they will bring you one. If you have any difficulty opening the uh, cellophane, let them know they want to help you and just raise your hand and then again at home, would you just join us in this celebration of the Lord's Supper. Let me pray, and then we're going to reflect a little bit more, and I pray that you would use that as a time of prayer. Father, we love you. Father, we are grateful for what you have done for us. And Father, as we talk about being a believer, not being a believer, being a Christ follower, not yet being a Christ follower, I pray that that would be understood. And Lord, I pray that those who are not yet a believer, who have not yet chosen to follow you, Lord, I pray that you would stir in their hearts right now that, Lord, you died on the cross for them. And Lord, we want to celebrate that today. Thank you for the salvation that you have given us, Lord. Father, you have fulfilled the law on our behalf, and we praise you for that. Father, as we partake of this Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, Lord, prepare our hearts now as we reflect on you, and may we remember what you have done for us.
as the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. He says this, he said, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, and understand this is the very night that we're talking about today in our series in John chapter 16. It is the Thursday night that is recorded in John. It says, on that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he continued, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. Father, you tell us that every time we eat this bread and take this cup, that we are announcing your death until you come again. And Father, oh, the hope that we have in you, that you are coming back. Father, unlike the disciples, we already know the presence of your Holy Spirit. So we've already experienced the joy that you speak of. Father, we praise you and we praise your holy name. We praise you for the spirit. We praise you for the son. We praise you as the father. And Father, again, if anyone here, anyone online has never made a decision to follow you, I pray that today would be that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, in this series on mission redemption, we are on the journey with Christ for her, him to bring redemption to the world. And so we're on this day, Thursday, in John chapter 16. And so stick with us in John chapter 16. And let me remind you of the big idea that we spoke of just moments ago. Joy is found in the presence of God, not the absence of sorrow. And so we need to focus on Jesus and the eternal things. When we get focused on the temporary things, that's when the enemy has fun in our head. And that's what Jesus is having a talk about with his disciples. He is warning them of what is to come in just a very few moments. When we are only focused on changing our current circumstances, we miss the full perspective of eternal victory that leads to joy. And so we are on a journey towards joy. I want to give you the timeline of where we are. So again, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples now in the upper room, we are in John chapter 16. This actually all began in John chapter 13 when they entered into the upper room and were in this, this lengthy discussion, this lengthy discourse where Jesus is giving 
for lack of better words, a farewell speech. This is his last moment with his disciples in this intimate setting. In fact, just to go, to go back a little bit and let, let you know the emotions that are in the room right now around the table, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. This is all within a week leading up. And so Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead, which brought many questions, not only from the disciples, but it brought a lot of public attention towards Jesus. Then the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so that is a major part where Jesus is not only fulfilling prophecy, but he is declaring that he is the Messiah. And again, he gets great crowds of followers. And around Easter time, we will celebrate that day. But in the moment, boy, it is churning up some dissension in the public arena. And so people are getting not only excited about what God is doing for those that are following him already, But boy, the religious leaders, the rulers, those of that time, they're getting very concerned about the uprising that is happening around them. People are starting to talk. And then Jesus does something unexpected in that he announces his death. And so all of a sudden, the the followers are growing, but Jesus says, hey, pretty soon I'm going to die. And so he announces that he will be leaving. And it's about that time as the the mystery kind of starts to build that then he gathers his disciples for this dinner and we go up into the upper room with him. And now he is speaking on a very intimate level to his disciples. And so over the past about four weeks, Pastor Ed has been teaching us and preaching to us about this time. And what I want you to understand about chapter 16 is that things are ramping up. And so the language is getting stronger. The words of Jesus are getting more clear. If you read in the text, in fact, we looked at it a little bit last week, that it was a little bit of a mystery what Jesus was saying. He didn't fully understand. And you'll see in the text today, he goes, you know what? Now I'm going to tell you very plainly. And so in the midst of this conversation, if you read chapters 13 through 17 all together, you're going to see this circular type discussion. And it's not that Jesus forgets what he said or he's not, you know, he doesn't have ADD. He's not, not trying to figure out what he's saying like many of us. He is strategically informing his disciples of what is to come. And he announces his death multiple times. He will uh, declare his own deity multiple times. He will announce the coming of the Holy Spirit quite a few times. He will command them to love each other. And then again, he will declare that their sorrow will turn to joy. And again, if you go back and read, it's circular. But as we get towards the end of the discussion here in chapter 16, it gets more and more intense. Now, let me tell you something else that is going on in the room that the disciples, they really don't have a good idea about. The, the other thing that happened is that there was an accusation as they began to sit down at the table. Jesus washed their feet, 
You maybe heard that story. Then they sit at the table and Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. And then what's interesting is if you read the scripture closely, Jesus dismisses Judas to go and betray him. However, it says the disciples didn't fully understand. And so there is this mystery about the day. But if you'll hop into the, the, the moment around the table, if you'll hop into the emotions of the characters of your reading and understand it's a real story, understand that right now as Jesus is sharing this, Judas is literally walking to the religious leaders to go and betray Jesus. He is on his way at the moment during this discussion. If you'll remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Ed read John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. And then as we round down to chapter 16, it gets more and more intense. Listen to what we read earlier. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but listen to what it said. The world will rejoice, but you will grieve. But your grief will suddenly be turned to wonderful joy. And then he describes it for him in verse 21. He says, it will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy. Because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Now, I'm not smart, but I would say I'm smart enough to not say that I understand labor pains. Because there's plenty of women in here that would stand up right now and say, you do not understand. Here's enough of how I understand labor pains. When my first child was born, when the 16-foot-long needle came out for the epidural, that's about the last thing I remember. In fact, Michelle will tell you the story. I think she embellishes a little bit, my wife does. But uh, I knelt down on my knees and grabbed her hand. And I thought I was faking it pretty good. When in all actuality, I was really starting to black out. Like I saw that needle and I was like, I'm gone. So the best thing I can do is be that good husband and grab her hand. And she looked at me and she knew with all her heart that, boy, I wasn't being a sweet husband. I was about to go down. And so uh, we laugh about that. But... But the reality is, all that emotion, all that pain that the new mom would experience, guess what? When that child is born, it all goes away. Instantly, there is joy. He says, so you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And when that baby is born, you will rejoice and no one can rob you. Of that joy. The end of verse 22. And understand it's the Holy Spirit he speaks of. It's not just the second coming. Sometimes we can confuse that and think that okay Jesus is coming again. 
He is talking immediately that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit will be coming. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, Pastor Ed talked about this last time. He says, but in fact, it is better for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So that's the context that he's talking about. He goes, it is better for me to die because when I do, you will experience the Holy Spirit. Right now, you experience the Son who has access to the Father. But when I leave, you have access to the Holy Spirit, which what we're going to read is going to be huge. Listen to again what it says. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to the joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. I want to remind you of the disciples at this moment. And this gets to a point that we don't fully understand uh, the, the relationship that the disciples had with Jesus, with God. And it's, it's really just a moment that, that we, in New Testament times, if you are a Christ follower, we don't fully understand what it would be like without the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are times when I would lament, I would love to have that direct one-on-one talk with Jesus. I would love to sit in the upper room and have a discussion with Jesus to where I could ask him questions and he would answer directly back in human form right there. If, if, if you're a Christ follower, you probably would just long for that. That would be so awesome to sit at the table with Jesus Christ. But don't forget what Jesus said. He goes, it is better that I leave. And so what I learned from that is that the access I have to God now, the access I have to the Holy Spirit in my life now is what Jesus was talking about. That that is way better, way better than what the disciples were experiencing. Why? Because when they left the table, guess what? They were out of the presence of Jesus. And again, I'm not going to get into the theological terms of that and what all that meant. But when they stepped aside from the table and left the room, they were no longer in the presence of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, who is the presence of God in your life, had not yet come. And so they didn't know what we already know. And so their sorrow when Jesus would die would have been just tremendous. And yet it's hard for us to understand if you're a Christ follower. It's hard to understand what it would be like to not have the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we can have a tendency to take that for granted. Look at verse 23. At the time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. And again, this is something we take for granted. The Holy Spirit has given us that right. Jesus has given us that right to go to the Father in his name so that we can ask and be with God. If you, if, if you take a look at this phrase, in Jesus' name, 
I believe it's misunderstood and, and we misunderstand it to a point that we don't realize the true gift of the term in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name are not three magic words that, that we use God as a tool for what we want. And unfortunately, sometimes we can, we can play him like that, that we think if we will just tag on those words in Jesus' name, then I get whatever I want. That's not the promise that is coming to us. It's not special treatment. It is not magical words. You know, if you think, I was actually with a friend at the diner, we were trying to come up with an illustration on this, and, and my first thought was, well, it'd be like, and there's a tractor store across the street, it would be like, if you go over there and you use my name, they'll give you a 20% discount in the name of Mill Teichler. And then we thought about it, well, it's not like that at all. You know, Jesus doesn't just offer us a discount. Jesus doesn't offer us magical words. What does Jesus offer? He offers access. And the one I was meeting with, we, he's in the oil field, and, and, and there's times when you need access to the land. And he goes, it's like knowing the landowner, and you get immediate access. You see, we have access to the Father on the merits of the Son. We have access to the Father on the merits of the Son. When we go to the Father, we say, in Jesus' name. And so we are granted this special access to the Father that is phenomenal. And I think there are times that we take it for granted. Uh, When we enter the presence of Father, we enter with the credentials of the Son. We enter by the merit of of the Son. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, Jesus Christ, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Here's something I want to be clear about. There's Confusion, I think some in our different religions, our different denominations of those that follow Christ. Those that are up on this stage have no greater access to the Father than those that would sit in the chairs. Those that would stand on the stage and speak have no greater access than those who would watch online. The access that we are given to God through Jesus Christ, through his merit, is full of grace. So that all may have access to the Father. Not only for salvation, but for time right here on earth and abundant joy, abundant life. And so when we go to the Father, I sure hope none of you are praying in Milt's name. I hope you are not praying in Pastor Ed's name. I hope you're not using anybody's name. 
but Jesus Christ. And I hope that you will understand that when we do go in prayer to the Father, it is the Son's merit that we enter into the presence of the Father. And he is going to answer your prayer. But I want to be clear. Sometimes Jesus will say no. When we go to the Father, sometimes God will say no. In fact, just a few hours from the moment that we're reading about, Jesus himself went to the Father. And the Father said, no. No, son, I will not take this cup from you. There is no other way. You have to die this death. And I can point back to times in my life to where, you know what? What I was praying for was the will of man, the will of milt, not the will of God. And I'm thankful that he shut me down and said no. Here's something God has never said no to. He has never said no to someone going into his presence and asking forgiveness for their sin. And understand that that's way better than a new truck. That's way better than a new house. That's way better than a bill being paid. That's way better than a uh, a health being restored. Forgiveness from the Father is free. Forgiveness from the Father is always an instant yes. And I encourage you, if you have never, ever, ever asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to have him come into your life and have that access to the Father, I would beg you to do that. In fact, after this service, uh, if you're in the room, I'm going to be in the hospitality room, uh, which is on the bottom floor on the left-hand side. And if you want to talk about what it means to believe in Jesus, what it means to become a Christ follower, I'm going to be lingering over there. Come talk to me. If you're online, then I would encourage you to text the word believe to that get connected number, 281-343-3033, or just go to the website, click the I'm new, and let us know that you want to know more about it. In fact, Pastor Seth and Pastor Jeff are online right now, and you can put it in the chat, whether you're on Facebook or on m1bc.tv, and we would love to talk to you about what it means to become a follower of Christ. Jesus, God, will never say no to a sinner seeking forgiveness. Verse 24, you haven't done this before. Talking about asking in Jesus' name. He goes, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant Joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. And now listen to the second part of verse 26. He goes, I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. This is huge. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly, Because you love me and believe that I came from God. And so Jesus says, pray in Jesus' name, enter into the Father based on his credentials. And we get this wonderful access to our heavenly Father. If we close out the chapter and we get to verse 31, I want to point you back to what Judas is doing. Remember, it's Thursday. Remember, Friday is coming that we call Good Friday. And remember that those events are coming that we will celebrate in in a few weeks of Easter Sunday. 
But right now, Judas has probably made his way to those that will arrest Jesus. If you know the scriptures, he's probably already received 30 pieces of silver for the head of Jesus. He's betrayed him. Jesus knows this is going on. Somehow, I don't fully understand it, but Jesus hid it from the disciples. So they don't have a great idea of what's going on. They remember that Jesus said someone will betray you. But for some reason, they didn't grasp what was happening when Jesus dismissed Judas from the table. So now, as Jesus is speaking these words, there is a good chance that Judas is speaking the words already to those that will arrest Jesus. In fact, look at John chapter 18. We'll jump ahead a little bit uh, in the scripture, but it's probably, again, right in the same timeline. John 18, 3 says, The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Right after this talk, right after verse 33, Jesus is going to pray a prayer that we'll talk about next Sunday. And we don't know the full timeline. We don't know if Jesus stayed in the upper room or if he was walking. It's my belief that about this time they get up from the table and they begin walking to the olive grove where the soldiers are already on their way. And that at some point they will meet up together. But in verse 31... Jesus asked, do you finally believe? He's asking the people that have spent the most time with him. He's going, guys, this is important. Do you finally believe? He says, the time is coming, and indeed it is here now when you will be scattered. Each one going his own way, leaving me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And here's the key verse. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Joy is found in the presence of God, not the absence of sorrow. I hope the meaning of that has sunk in. Jesus has prepared the disciples for the worst. He's pointed them to eternal things rather than the temporal things. He knows what they're about to see is going to be very troubling. They're going to see Jesus hanging on the cross. And he's saying, don't focus on that. Focus on what is coming. Focus on the victory that has already been won. Their current circumstances are not going to change no matter how hard they pray. Jesus has to die on the cross for them and for us so that the Holy Spirit will come. They're going to witness the crucifixion and it's going to seem like defeat. However, at that moment, what Jesus is counting on and and it happened, they're going to remember the words of Jesus when he said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. And though the world will rejoice... And again, they will be in a crowd where people will be rejoicing over Jesus being crucified. But he said, you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly be turned into wonderful joy. 
when we're focused on changing our current circumstance, we miss the full perspective of eternal victory that leads to joy. So what are our next steps? What's our response? Let me give you three quick things. Number one, don't let your joy depend on something you might lose. Don't let your joy depend on something you might lose. If you're focused on temporal things of this earth, temporal things that are going on, you're not going to see the joy that God has given us. And then secondly, don't let your joy depend on something you cannot change. There are just some things in this earth that you cannot change. And Jesus was telling them, it's going to happen, but your grief, your sorrow will turn to joy. And so I say this, let your joy be found in the presence of our God and his eternal kingdom. Remember James 1, 2? Listen to what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, I pray that our joy would not be dependent on what we can lose. Father, I pray that it would not be dependent on what cannot change. But Father, I pray that it would be dependent only on the victory that you have already won. Lord, let us be focused on that. And Father, remember our role as a Christ follower. Father, we have access to you because of the the awesome gift that Jesus did on the cross for us. And so, Father, help us to be kingdom-minded. And, Father, of all things we say today, we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord. On his credentials, we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.